She's like, bag of corner peas, great idea. Put a towel between the vulva and the bag, though. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, like that would have made my career a lot more comfortable. Thank you for joining us for another episode of On the Horizon, a podcast about what's on the horizon for sex workers and how to navigate it. I'm Jesse Sage, and you can find me on Twitter at sapiotextual and at jessiesage.com. And I'm Melrose Michaels, and you can find me at Melrose Michaels on social and melrosemichaels.com. Just a reminder, if you are enjoying the podcast on Apple, please leave us a five-star rating and review because it really helps us to grow as a podcast and better share information from our guests to the sex work community as a whole. Last but not least, if you want to support the podcast, please go to anchor.fm forward slash horizon, spelled W-H-O-R-I-Z-O-N, to become a premium subscriber of On the Horizon, which unlocks two bonus episodes on the 8th and 22nd of each month with tons of extra exclusive footage from ourselves and our guests. This segment of today's episode is sponsored by sex.com, one of the absolute best content creator platforms out there. It looks better than any other, has a higher level of security than any other, and boasts over 3 million unique visitors a day scrolling through viral looped adult short form videos. Sex.com is like, well, (laughs) sex itself. A lot of people do it. Some just do it much, much better than the others. Sex.com. If you're going to do it, do it right. Hello and welcome back to On the Horizon. We are at episode six and this episode is all about intimacy, pleasure and relationships. Yeah. And we have two like amazing and also very different guests, which is great. We have Stoya, um, which is very exciting for us. Um, And Stoya is talking actually from the perspective of a sex columnist because Mm -hmm. she's co-writing a sex advice column at Slate right now and is getting lots of questions about Lots of things. Lots lots of things, (laughs) yes. So, and then Sonora Grace is a provider in New Orleans who also does um, body healing work. Mm -hmm. And we're talking to her about that. So, yeah, it was really unique to hear everyone's different perspective on intimacy and how that Mm -hmm. correlates and interweaves with pleasure and sex and sexuality. And I just think it's a good perspective. Um, mm-hmm. Something that doesn't get talked enough about because everyone wants to talk about well, everyone doesn't want to talk about sex. But when we do talk yeah. about sex, it doesn't yeah. often involve pleasure and intimacy. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that this, this has come up on several different episodes that part of the problem with our sex education in the United States is and I can't believe how loud it's is raining, raining really loud. guys. Yeah. Sorry about that. If you can hear that, that's uh, Mother Nature. Really excited, wow. but she's really wet about this topic. <laughs> really wet. Really. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, uh, we don't talk about pleasure. We talk no. about how to prevent pregnancy and STIs when we teach kids about sex, but we're not talking about pleasure and intimacy. And I mean, it's interesting because that's one of the things that um, I talked a lot to my kids about when they were teenagers and they started to ask questions about sex is that like they would say like, oh, we're going to be talking about sex at school. Mm-hmm. And then um, I would ask them what they're studying and they're ta- they're learning about diseases. They're learning yeah, about contraception. like contraception. And I was like, OK, those are like the mechanics of sex yeah. Yeah. Um, and the mechanics of sex and 
and safety are important, but they're actually not even the biggest part of sex. Yeah, no. And so like to talk about like when we make decisions with our bodies, with other people that has emotional consequences. And and I don't even mean negative consequences. I just mean like in general. Yeah. Just there are emotional impacts of sex. There are relational impacts of sex. So that's, that's a great segue into what Sonora actually brought to the table in her interview, which she really dug into the way that there's this give and take in a yeah. sexual encounter mm-hmm. and how uh, you have this kind of dynamic of sometimes you're giving, sometimes you're taking, sometimes it's mutual and that's yeah. all okay. And that's, yeah. that was a very interesting conversation. I think you guys are going to get a lot of out, of out of it. I know I got a lot out of it. Yeah. So uh, I think that we should just jump right in. What do yeah. You think? Yeah. Sounds good. Today's episode is sponsored by ePlay, an adult live streaming platform creating an online ecosystem for creators to engage with their fans that's easy, exciting, and empowering. At ePlay, you earn 80% of revenue on everything from live streaming to private messages with your fans to your sub club membership fan site. ePlay even allows you to earn money while you sleep with offline tips. Do what makes you excited, take control of your business, content, voice, and freedom as a creator consider joining ePlay today. Sonora Grace is a sex worker, sexological body worker, somatic sex educator, ritualist, bee tender, and artist living and working in Bulbancha, colonially known as New Orleans. Using pleasure as a lens and the body as a portal to heal, she believes we can actively dismantle oppression and trauma individually and collectively. She is often found naked gardening, eating dark chocolate, and humming with the bees. All right. Hi, Sonora. It is great to have you on on the horizon today. Yes. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes. Glad to be here. Yeah. <laughs> so can you introduce yourself, your work and what you do? Yeah, thank you. Um, so my name is Sonora Grace. Um, sometimes people call me Mistress or Domina, um, <laughs> but I, I work as a sex worker. I kind of really advertise as a sensual dominatrix and a erotic masseuse. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have training as a sexological body worker and a somatic sex educator. And I have training in other types of counseling skills and deep listening skills and play and yoga and, and body and dance related um, modalities. Um, and those things all impact my work as a sex worker, but yeah, I'm mostly, I also offer like um, above ground. I like to, I like to call myself the town whore and <laughs> um, give people in my community central massage if they want it, mm. or um, people who are like, probably like low touch or like our need of touch, like giving people um, pleasure in that way. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I sort of operate in many different worlds from like yeah. the underground or criminalized world to <laughs> the still above ground and still somewhat criminalized, but more accepted healing. World. Yeah. Do you feel like it's interesting that you say that because do those feel different to you or do they, do they feel different? How do they feel different? Um, in some ways, not at all. And then some ways, the, the difference is just kind of who the clientele are. Mm-hmm. Like I would say that more of my clientele on the sex work side are cis men, cis het men. Um, and then otherwise I'll get like women or, or trans folks or gender non-conforming folks. And I think that's just based on the reality of like who is taught to that 
who is taught they can pay for sex. Yeah. Like often as a woman, someone who socializes a woman and I'm not taught, oh, I can just pay for sex when I want it. Or, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, if I want to, I want a central massage, I could just go do that. And I, I, I honestly don't even sometimes think I can do that. And I, I work in this industry. So, yeah, it's so funny that you say that because like really the only like customer fantasy that I have ever is like getting an erotic massage because like I love getting massages and I'm like this massage is so amazing it would be great if it like ended in an orgasm but like I you can't do that yeah (laughs) and so like but um but I wouldn't you're like I feel like that too like I wouldn't even really I'm live in a world surrounded by sex workers and I wouldn't know how to go about the moment you said that. that I thought that was like I never ever thought that it's never crossed my mind that I could just go buy it. If I want it, I just, I can just go yeah, do that. But I totally would if I yeah. knew how to go about doing this. So yes, maybe yes. next time I'm in New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so can you talk a little bit about like what somatic sex education and um, the, uh, that uh, piece of your work is? Yeah, so thank you. That's um, well, interestingly, the lineage of that work comes from sex workers. It's not it's not exclusive exclusive to or exclusionary of. Um, And it also ties back to the um, time of the AIDS epidemic and the time of people who were looking to find erotic services or have erotic experiences but um, wanted to have safety and find mm-hmm. ways to uh, engage without like exchanging fluids necessarily mm-hmm. or be, having their needs met for touch and uh, intimacy. So a lot of my work is steeped in um, caring for the body holistically in terms of yeah. like trauma, in terms of what might be happening internally or physiologically, what also might be happening, happening um, or have happened in your past. Mm-hmm. Um, so inc- including trauma, including your emotional body, your spiritual body, mm-hmm. um, and not separating those things, but really like integrating the whole of the person. Um, and so my training includes a lot of hands-on touch, but exercises that help to um, let the client guide the experience in a way that mm-hmm. feels most juicy, alive, mm-hmm. uh, safe, and yeah. hot for them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think uh, I'm wondering with all of the work that you do, especially such an intimate kind of work, and all of the things that come along with that, is there something that someone who maybe is never going to come to a provider to get these needs met or never going to seek out help with these facets of their sexuality or themselves. What is like a tool that you would say is the most commonly needed, like to get to someplace Mm. intimate with someone that Mm. is like lacking or that you see constantly, like this Mm. one piece is where people struggle with intimacy. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I think that there's, it's definitely in the world of shame and secrecy and the places where people hold, um, you know, whether it's like a fantasy of like, maybe, you know, it could be something like kinky related, or it could be um, just a fantasy that they think is wrong. Like, and being able to share that with someone, I don't like, you know, sometimes people don't have friends they can share those type of things Mm -hmm. with. Right. But I think like that is the creation or the seed of intimacy is like really being seen Mm -hmm. on the inside of like who you are, what's happening for you and something that maybe it's a, it might be an entire part of your, your life that you're keeping, you know, 
to yourself yeah. or you're not letting allowing to to be seen in the world and i feel like that is often the barriers to intimacy and often like what some people are grasping for when they want sex is like they want to be seen fully yeah. they yeah. want mm -hmm. some part of them to be seen in the world and um so I, I I really love when people get to like share like oh they want they want this like they want to wear women's panties mm -hmm. or they want to wear a diaper or call me mommy or you mm -hmm. know or just like sometimes just sometimes well, a lot of it is just cry like so yeah. much my my favorite and most wonderful thing in the world is when I get to see my clients cry which happens a lot more than you think because uh, <laughs> it usually like. Have you seen a lot of that come out of like talking or out of like touching or out of like sexual intimacy or where do you see that bubble up for clients? Yeah, um, I for me, that's like an art of both like the embodiment and the ability to like um, create safe enough conditions for people to know that they can yeah. cry or they can you know be safe here. Um, and sometimes it's a it's a combination of like physical arousal and, yeah. and excitement and, and being held in that, mm -hmm. um, or it's, it's really so many things, but it's, it's really, um, like for me, I would say that the, the biggest thing is creating the safety. And so for, I try to do that with deep listening, acceptance, mm -hmm. sharing a lot of, um, uh, like not, you know, it's, it's, it's not even just not yucking their yum, but celebrating their, their yeah. thing that is, yeah. that is like that they feel shameful about like, yeah, you want, you know, you want to wear diapers? <laughs> yes. You know, it's like, and not like yeah. in a overtly like comical way, but just like, yeah, yeah. Like, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I think that that's, I, I kind of have a, I have a similar orientation to you where I feel like Oftentimes I feel like grateful for like what people, people will share, will share. Yeah. like mm -hmm. to be let into somebody's like yeah. inner feelings and inner thoughts and things that they don't share. And I, I very much um, agree that like, I mean, there's theorists too who have talked about like the fact that in what intimacy is or how we could define intimacy is um, revealing like a re revelation of oneself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. You know, it, cause I'm coming from strictly like a digital content creation background, but I found the same experience. Like I have so many clients that want to like sex or do calls or, you know, have content custom made about something that they haven't told anyone else. And I feel mm -hmm. so privileged to that information. And also to the fact that like this person is willing to show me their whole selves versus the part that they show everybody else. Yeah. So like, I think that there's something so special about that it's a very beautiful thing and it's also kind of sad because it's like everyone should be able to see all of that like it's yeah. a it's mm -hmm. we're so fragmented in that way yeah oh yeah would mm -hmm. you you qualify intimacy separate from sex i know so many people wrap them together but i've always felt those are two totally different things yeah um i i definitely think of them as separate like the things that i do like purely sometimes like I, I don't think there's anything wrong with just having purely sexual like sessions or times where you just want to mm, 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 go for it you know like <laughs> that is so yeah. <laughs> yeah bang it out like let's just go you know yeah um and there's something where like even that like the lack of intimacy can be like super juicy yeah, and yeah. fun and i i can totally appreciate that and then there's the other times where just like eye gazing or um being able to like breathe with somebody can become mm -hmm. like 
this releasing of like, yeah, the posturing or the amount of like um, pretense that we all hold like throughout our days, like you can let that go. Like that's to me, that's the intimacy part. And Mm -hmm. I I do, I separate them, but I don't necessarily think one is better or greater than the other. What kind of work did you like have to do on yourself to be con- mm. to get to a place in which like you can hold that space for other people? Oh my God. That sounds hard. <laughs> Genuinely. Yeah. I mean, wow. Like I, I think that um, a lot of my friends know me as someone who just like, I go for the vulnerable, like wherever possible. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of a, I don't want to say vulnerability addict, but like, I'm just like, <laughs> oh my God, chance to be vulnerable in a group with a person. Like I, I thrive on that. I feel better with that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I have friends, like my friends or people close to me who are that way, like I need that. I need people to be mm-hmm. vulnerable. So I'm, I'm kind of practicing vulnerability everywhere. Um, and I've definitely like in my training, it's like, you know, we're, we're going around and like, um, telling the stories of our genitals to each other, like just Mm -hmm. like, here we go. Like just the whole body, everything is, nothing is shameful anymore. It's just all out there. And um, I would say that that's something that I've gotten to do with lovers, with friends in my community. I mean, just sometimes being like the other day, I had a a group of women over for um, an erotic practice in the moonlight outside. And it's like, you know, it's just like being able to, fully expose myself as much as possible and 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 you know and sometimes I'm I'm discreet in ways too but like I think I look for those opportunities and yeah um and try to create them if I don't have them already yeah that's really cool yeah so like the the topic of our um episode today is uh what sex workers can teach people outside of sex work about like intimacy mm-hmm. or relationships so what do you feel like you've learned um that you would only learn through sex work um, or at least that maybe you've only learned through sex work um, about relationships and about intimacy Mm -hmm. and about like interacting with other people that you, you kind of think that your experience as a sex worker Mm. helped shape. Helped shape. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good question. Mm, I think there's something really deep about self-worth here where like Mm. I learned that both I am worthy to be paid for my services, my body, my intellect, my, even my ability to listen, my emotional labor, like I am worthy of that in a, in a literal, like transactional way, but I'm also um, beyond that, like, it's taught me that I'm, that that worth is translatable to the rest of my life. Like, it's not about Mm -hmm. if I'm paid or not. And, And in fact, like my clients, like show me beyond money that like I'm worth it. And, Mm -hmm. and then I get to see and practice that in my life. I was just having this conversation last night where I realized that like my role has as a, especially as a Dom and um, but just someone who facilitates an experience like of intimacy for someone Mm -hmm. else is that my level of confidence, my level of self-worth is just like grown exponentially because Mm of it. You know, it's so funny that you you say that because that we've spoken about this even in season one that like 
me getting into sex work in like I, I got into as a cam girl and like seeing myself, the image of myself back in a cam chat room setting taught me to love my body because that was something I had to overcome and really struggled with. And like the people that grew up with me were so shocked that I got into this kind of work because they knew about my struggles with my body. So I think that there's a lot to be said about self-worth. And even like I have a, a dear friend who just is getting out of a relationship and I was like, let's do a photo shoot. And he yeah. was like, so like, I don't know. I'm like, let's just do it. It'll be fun. Like, just give it a chance. And we did it. And his self-confidence is through the roof. We love the photos. Like, just kind of getting the space to understand worth in oneself is so powerful and so transformative. And I, I agree that that's something mm -hmm. I only got from sex work. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that, I love that. The photo shoots for sure. Like every photo shoot I do, I feel like I have like a crisis point of like, who am I? What do I want? And then I do the photo shoot and I'm like, wow. And it's like, it's, it's like a beautiful ritual of like transformation and seeing oneself and yeah, getting to like appreciate and love on, on oneself. It's so rare to see yourself from someone else's lens. You know, there's not a lot of ways to do that unless mm -hmm. you're seeking them out or like making them intentional. So I think that reflectiveness is super nice. Yeah. And I think that's interesting too, because um, I, I like had to, um, I had, I made like a very conscious like decision when I started working with different photographers where mm -hmm. I, where you know, when a photographer will, where you'll do a photo shoot with somebody and then the photographer will like put a picture that they like on social media. Oh, and it's like, worst. not necessarily what you like. And you're, like, I've had this experience. And at first I wanted to be like, Oh, I'm, I'm not going to interact with that or like whatever. And then I was like, no, I actually am because they're seeing something that like my own like biases about my body mm -hmm. or about, you know, whatever is preventing me from being able to mm -hmm. like see what's, good about it yeah. yeah um and so like letting that go and being like somebody out of all of the things like picked this mm -hmm. so saw beauty yeah 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 so totally like yeah when I've, I've had days where I feel like crap like let's just say I'll have like a you know I, I'll have like an emotionally hard day or something or maybe I don't feel good in my body and I'll have a session with a client and I'll walk out of there like you <laughs> like I feel good and not yeah. just like like for so many reasons like one because I got to help facilitate someone else's experience two because they appreciated my my experience and what mm -hmm. I gave them and because also I love like being in my body and feeling like con erotically connected to somebody yeah like, I know. okay like <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Absolutely. Because <laughs> sometimes I'm like, I would rather just sit at home and watch TV. But then, yeah. you know, but then once you get into something, you're like, oh, but this is an amazing thing. Yeah. Yeah. But it can be like so much beauty. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so like, do you feel like you're, um, how are, I mean, obviously it's going to impact you, but how does, how does your work like impact your own, like intimate relationships hmm. does it yeah. like does it how does it shape them and do you feel how do you react how do you interact differently with like partners and lovers than you do with your clients yeah great question well it's actually interesting I think after you and I did our interviews and um I at one point held a um a workshop with another provider and we did a workshop for sex workers on relationships oh, cool. and we started, it was really beautiful. We had like a, a good turnout and there was really deep conversations. And one of the big questions or things that were illuminated for me was why do my relationship, how are my relationships different? How is my relationship to dating really um, 
different than dating professionally, essentially. Yeah. And um, what are my stand or my standards different, you know? And yeah. so like with my clients, like they'll bring me gifts or chocolate or flowers and they're like, <laughs> yeah. really, you know, like there's this, such a chivalry process and it's like mm-hmm. so nice. And, um, and then I, and I realized at one point, like I didn't have like dates who weren't doing like, I would say they were just doing like maybe the minimum, but like once I like set the standard was like, no, my clients are like at least the standard, you know, yeah. the yeah. minimum. <laughs> yeah. Then, then I started to have dates that brought, brought it on, you know, like got, got me the, the nice gifts or like put out the effort. And I would say that like, um, I learn a lot from my clients, like how I want to be treated and how I don't want to be treated. Yeah. Cause I have clients who like, I'm like, no, that was not what I wanted or that's yeah. not, you know, for me. But I, I feel like it's similar to um, being poly or like, okay, like I had this experience with this person. What can I take from it to this yeah. other experience? And there's a lot of that that I find really juicy and like exciting and um, and helpful to my own life. Like if I'm, yeah. I, I get like that memory of something in my body or, yeah. um, or I'll bring things from my personal life into my, mm-hmm. into my erotic life and yeah, they definitely like weave together in a, in a nice way. And, and it requires boundaries of course, too. So yeah. I have like some things I won't do with clients and, and yeah. that's great too. They respect that and, and it works out. Do you feel like there's things that we didn't ask you about that are pertinent to this topic? Hmm. I'm like, uh, masturbate more. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think, uh, yeah, I guess one thing I, I just to, to, that came up around the into the conversation I had with a, um, the workshop I had with other providers, and we were talking about relationships and and what's the difference and what are the things that get in the way. And a lot of people really struggled with what they wanted and where their where their no was, where their yes was, mm-hmm. where their boundaries were. And and I think that that still like is work that I'm forever grateful sex work teaches me like how to how to figure out my boundaries how to know what I don't want how to know what I want and I think it's constant practice to just like keep checking in with Mm -hmm. and I definitely um I think that it's it's something that any other profession like no no other profession gives me quite the experience to to get it to figure it out you know Um, like it's like it's such an important um, and visceral experience of like, I, I've, oh, I overrided that boundary or oh, <laughs> I, I actually, I really don't want that. Okay, wait, and then what do I do? What do I want? Yeah. becomes yeah. the real question. And so I've found that more and more that I spend time like dreaming about or masturbating to, or writing about what I do want, then yeah. those things actually also come to. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Where can people mm-hmm. find you? And you're writing and yeah. Um, so I, I do randomly post blogs on sonoragrace.com. Um, and I have a post about pleasure and sex and sex work. And that's really, um, was a fun post to write. And then I'm on Twitter at grace Sonora and on Instagram at Sonora grace. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Great. Thank yeah. you so Thank much. Thank you so much. It was wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful to meet you all. Thank you. 
This episode of On the Horizon is sponsored by DMCA Force. DMCA Force is the authorized DMC agent for the largest online creators and the platforms that they monetize. DMCA Force protects models, musicians, writers, videographers, artists, and tons of other creatives publishing their works online. With DMCA Force, you get 24-7 automated monitoring, flagging, and removal of stolen and pirated content. They use metadata and keywords relating to your work in collaboration with search engines to remove even the 10 to 15% of content on ghost sites that can't typically be scrubbed from the internet. They even offer the ability to fingerprint content and digitally watermark it as an added layer of security to protect the art you work so hard creating. Join DMCA Force today. Jessica Stoya started performing in pornographic videos in 2006. Stoya is half of Slate's How to Do It sex advice column and has written about pornography for publications including Playboy, The New York Times, and Jizz Lee's anthology Coming Out Like a Porn Star. Hi, Stoya. Thank you for joining us on On the Horizon. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So can you introduce yourself? So I started performing in pornographic video in 2006. I spent several years as a contract performer, started writing during that time, um, several very um, not well-paid pieces for Vice and two New York Times op-eds later, I am half of Slate's sex advice column, How to Do It, um, and you know, I'm basically a surprise sex educator, accidental <laughs> sex educator who is scrambling to get education. But no matter what I read up on or take a class in, there's always some curveball where I'm like, mm. I don't have a resource for that. Um, yeah. And then you have yeah. to like find one. <laughs> Interesting. What do you think about, I mean, I think what you're saying is really interesting because we do have this like sort of odd situation where like there is no sex education, but there is this ubiquity of porn. And so people Mm -hmm. are kind of turning to porn for sex education. And I've heard a lot of performers, um, who are really frustrated by that and who are like, I'm not actually a sex educator. I'm a performer or I'm an entertainer. Yeah. Like, what are your feelings about that? Do you feel like that's an unfair expectation to put on performers or do you feel like there should be some middle space where there's like porn literacy or? Yeah. So I, I mean, I get real personal and weird. Okay. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> I grew up in a certain kind of Southern church. It was the charismatic church. Oh, okay. And the charismatic movement is like global now. Mm-hmm. But um, when I was a kid, you know, church meant like one of the church officials walking down a line of people and waving their hand over the people's foreheads without touching them. Uh-huh. And then keeling over backwards, convulsing, speaking <laughs> yeah. in what we called tongues, mm-hmm. like the the understanding was they have been possessed by the spirit. Mm-hmm. And also there was a lot of leaders in the church were called with yeah. the word. Mm-hmm. They were yeah. called, they were moved by God to their work and I feel moved towards 
sex education mm-hmm. in a way that I think is great for me, but should not be required of any other sex worker, <laughs> yeah. regardless yeah. of mm-hmm. like what they do, how talented they might be at it. Like mm-hmm. sex education is really complicated, slippery. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of toxic stuff to like uproot and, yeah. um, you know, for someone who isn't going through the academic system and yeah. in possession of a master's degree, it's really hard to get useful education. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, when I landed the slate gig, I was like, okay, so I have a mail order high school diploma. <laughs> and I uh, I read a lot, um, but you know, as much as I can like read plenty of sexual theory, like I feel like I ought to hang out with like the like official sex educators mm-hmm. and like learn some stuff because I have like this like concerningly large platform and mm-hmm. I'm being framed as an authoritative voice and I'm fielding questions about like all kinds of wide sprawling social and relationship stuff that like is not my department. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you need ideas for how to position yourself for sex with someone whose penis curves to the left, like <laughs> I got you, that is totally my comfort zone. Yeah. <laughs> but like all the other stuff, I'm like, I'm not prepared for this. Nothing in my life has prepared me for this. <laughs> I need to get prepared for this. Yeah. yeah. So I reached out to ASECT, which is the American Association yeah. of Sexuality Educators and Counselors and Therapists. And, you know, they kind of brushed me off. Oh, wow. And um, it was it was due to my lack of formal education. Wow. And they were, though, like maybe Bianca Lariano would be like a good place for you. So I looked up Bianca. And one of the first things I saw from her and see, she has the masters, mm-hmm. but she went to ASECT and she felt shut out. And she'd written a blog detailing the issues that she encountered that made her feel not accepted. Yeah. Um, Interesting. And I was like, oh, okay, great. And this person has a class on intersectionality, which is Mm -hmm. a word I hear flying around. And like, great. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I ended up taking Bianca's. I ended up taking Bianca's whole professional development certificate program. Um, in sex education I learned a lot uh it's like it's for people it's it's kind of like it's like a dual purpose like it's like in the asex system okay and so like you know the person who does sex ed at the university and has mm-hmm. their master's degree and needs to do like continuing ed credits every year okay. to keep yeah they're like okay certification or whatever um they're like licensed to practice or something. Um, so some people are there for that. Yeah. And other people are like me and it's like, yeah, I have no formal training. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, hello. And Bianca's super accepting with that. Um, but we covered like, we covered, um, intersectionality, reproductive justice, disability justice. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah anatomy through the lens of intersex experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Like it was, it was some really fascinating stuff, but I'm also like, okay. And there's also so many other gaps yeah. that I need to fill. Um, yeah. Yeah. What are just, some of like the know, gaps that like you think of when you're like, what's, what's missing here? So, um, sometimes I get these letters from these people who are like clearly in a bad situation, mm-hmm. but they do not want to leave. Mm-hmm. Right. They come for me asking for help in how to navigate their bad situation Within. while remaining in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we got pushback from readers and the editor early on for being quick to jump to like, yeah, move on. Um, yeah. So partially because like the request is not, should I leave this person? It's yeah. how do I stay and keep my sanity? So I should answer the question that given. Yeah. Um, and also like the, the publication prefers. That I, <laughs> yeah. Um, so there, there's pressure to do that. And I would like more understanding in when it is time to call it. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. Like I would, I would like more nuanced understanding in that area that I could then use to form questions. I suggest the person ask themselves to yeah. like figure out what their limit is to make sure that the door is in fact open for them to make a real choice yeah. instead mm-hmm. of perhaps ending up feeling like they're stuck. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Think, so, uh, you know, I can, I can reach out to experts, which I do. Um, and you, you do like kind of learn things along the way by yeah. reading a whole book or taking a whole class in something gives a lot more nuance than like an expert who isn't getting paid and gives me yeah. two paragraphs yeah. Yeah. Do you, has this been a really, um, have you enjoyed this? Has it been neat to kind of do this like advice column in the way that you're doing it? Have you gotten a lot out of it or? It's, it's incredible. And like one of my dear friends, um, thinks they might have COVID. They have a penis and they're worried about COVID dick. And I was like, well, <laughs> thanks to the one season of the how to do it podcast that we had i actually <laughs> know like kind of a lot about covid dick <laughs> and, um, <laughs> in my pretty decently educated opinion <laughs> um jerk off if you can get hard like you're, you're probably doing okay just like kind of keep things running yeah um, <laughs> and also that gives you something fun to do rather than stress about it yeah Um, and like that that's not the kind of knowledge that I would have if it weren't for this gig yeah and being able to like be like yes I have this situation under control it's a really good feel there's something nice about being specialized where it's like yeah. yes this is what i'm good at <laughs> <laughs> i think it's interesting too because even like as a role coming from the sex work industry there's a lot of education that non-sex workers 
obviously don't get because they don't get a lot of sex education in general but there's some there's so many things that people see in porn or see acted out in these like clips or only fans or mm-hmm. wherever they're getting their consuming the content that they just think you can just go do like I think there's so much to be said about what sex, <laughs> like sex workers can teach non-sex workers about like, no, you can't just like do anal. Like there's things you got to do <laughs> before you can just like do that. Like, that's not how that works. Um, I was wondering what your, your experience on that was like, have you found navigating between both of these, like, you know, sex work world and mainstream world or vanilla world, like that, that has been your experience. So um, I got a question recently from a woman who'd fantasized about gangbangs for years. She moved to a new place. It's gangbang city. She got gangbanged. And I'm like, all right, I'm thrilled for you. Um, But also like, I have some like porn wisdom and I'm going to check that porn wisdom with an actual pussy doctor first. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I emailed the pussy doctor and I'm like, Hey, she's actually like Stacey Dillon, associate medical director at Planned Parenthood. Um, Okay. But it's more fun to say pussy doctor. (laughs) But I emailed Dr. Dillon and I'm like, Hey, so uh, from my porn days, my gut says a little bit of coconut oil and sit on a bag of frozen peas or corn. And Stacy is like, Dr. Stacy is like no coconut oil. Mm. Um, Why? Some people may be sensitive or even allergic. Oh, uh, wow. interesting. Cause when I was a doula, we yeah. used coconut oil. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. That, that's yeah. my association with coconut oil. I am. Um, as a tangent, let me finish Dr. Stacy first. And she's like, bag of corner peas, great idea. Put a towel between the vulva and the bag, though. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, that would have made my career a lot more comfortable. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and also, she recommended a sits bath, just the mm-hmm. Epsom salt, warm water. Um, and possibly, you know, more lube next time Mm -hmm. was also one of the recommendations, but I have this fantasy of, um, doing an article where I go through everything and consult a few pussy doctors Mm -hmm. with a few different kinds of perspectives Mm -hmm. about like, Hey, so, um, someone told me not to douche with i mean everyone knows not everyone i thought everyone knows not to douche with the actual douche liquid but then someone told me not to douche with la tap water either and especially not to do an enema with it um so then i started using bottled water and i'm like i would like to know right was i wasting bottled water that whole time or would la tap water (laughs) actually have caused a problem um Mm -hmm. the sea sponge thing right when we're when we're menstruating and we need to shoot a penetration scene and we take a boiled sea sponge or a makeup sponge which i find horrifying i'm not horrified by the sea sponge but i am horrified by the makeup sponge i don't know (laughs) interesting yeah I like, I'm very, I'm very curious. This is like an LA studio porn trick. Mm-hmm. Um, the makeup sponge I'm, is I'm very curious. Like, too. Yeah. 
okay, I'm curious what a gynecologist would have to say about mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. is this brilliant? Is this potentially opening us up for problems? Like, I yeah. don't know. Because sometimes this, like, kind of word of mouth community wisdom can also be, like, strange and ineffectual. Yeah. Or even dangerous I'm, I'm really curious yeah right well we actually have to like that's a good place to yeah. end um can uh you tell everybody where to find your column and the rest of your work um slate.com slash htdi is the how to do it page it has mm. the my columns, Rich's columns, our chat columns, and the podcast episodes, plus the uh, question submission form, which is anonymous. Awesome. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and I'm Stoya on Twitter and Instagram. Um, my blog site, hellostoya.com, is infrequently updated, um, <laughs> but sometimes updates go there. Okay, great. It was really fun to talk to you. Yes. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Whom is this free and affordable ads without the anti-sex work rhetoric? Assembly 4 is a team of sex workers and technologists from Melbourne, Australia, aiming to bring back free and fair advertising to the sex work community. They also give back to organizations based in harm reduction, sex work, and education. Stepping away from the clunky design of traditional platforms, their platform, Trist.link, is a refreshing and well-needed change in both presentation and mission. It is free to join and open to all. In the words of an A4 user, from the policies to the language, to the advice and tips, it makes such a big difference to feel encouraged and supported instead of policed. Thank you for joining us for another episode of On the Horizon, a podcast about what's on the horizon for sex workers and how to navigate it. I'm Jesse Sage, and you can find me on Twitter at sapiotextual and at jessiesage.com. And I'm Melrose Michaels, and you can find me at Melrose Michaels on social and melrosemichaels.com. Just a reminder, if you are enjoying the podcast on Apple, please leave us a five-star rating and review because it really helps us to grow as a podcast and better share information from our guests to the sex work community as a whole. Last but not least, if you want to support the podcast, please go to anchor.fm forward slash horizon spelled W-H-O-R-I-Z-O-N to become a premium subscriber of On the Horizon, which unlocks two bonus episodes on the 8th and 22nd of each month with tons of extra exclusive footage from ourselves and our guests. (music) 